0: Happy Resurrection Day. I mean, can, I, what an amazing thing to think about when you went and the tomb was rolled and Jesus was got, uh, gone. I mean, our Lord is alive. Amen? Amen? What a wonderful thing. So I want to talk about Good Friday service. I'm not in a time lapse. It actually happened last Friday. I wanted to thank everybody that came and volunteered. I mean, it was such a joy to see everybody serving. We had so many people come out and help. And I want to call somebody out. Um, Wayne, wave your. Where are you, Wayne? He's back. He doesn't want to be acknowledged, but I'm going to do it anyway. The communion cups, he set up as a fish. So he set the bar, so everybody started doing crosses and everything. (laughs) He's on a high right now because he just got married to Sherry a week ago. So. I mean, Good Friday, seeing the whole valley of believers getting back together again, it was such an amazing time. i got to tell a story. So we're singing and praising. My shoulders don't work, so it's hard for me to lift my hand. So the way I praise is I sing and I cry, or I call it leaking. So I'm sitting here leaking, and my buddy Bobby comes up to me. He goes, what does that song mean that says 99? I'm like, and I just blanked out. I was like, because I was in the mood. And then I, luckily, Pastor Lynn from the Western Church was there, and he's the wizard of all of the Bible. So he answered it, but I'm like, because I know it's in the 99 Jesus went after the one that was lost. So, so I did know, but I had one of those moments, Bobby, but thank you. Yeah, so thank you, all of you that came out and helped. It was a great. And everybody who participated and just worshiped the Lord, I mean, to get the fellow believers together again was just amazing. I mean, the Holy Spirit was surely pleasant. I'm mean, present. so it was amazing. So, and also, a little bit after the service, we're having an Easter egg hunt. So, right after, if the parents, if you are not participating in the Easter egg hunt with your kids, I, I'm sorry because your kids won't be, appreciate you, but um, if you do decide you want, you can always go and grab them right out of Kingdom Kids. If not, for the good parents, you can go directly out there and watch your kids be full of joy. And, and then we have a Jolly Jump. We, we called it the jo- or. Um, Not Johanna. Hosanna. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Hosanna. Yeah, hello. The Hosanna jump. So come and join us afterwards. We have snacks. We're going to have games. And it's just going to be a great time to fellowship together.
1: I really like how they ended that video, because uh, it looks back, you know, Sunday's the day that changed the world, and then it says, and it can change you too, and it brings it right up to April 17th, 2022, and, and that's what I like to do when we get together for uh, Easter services, is, you know, look at the significance of this past historical event, and why the Bible says it must have happened in the timeline of Earth's history, otherwise we're wasting our time, and, and what time was the Dodger game, 1 o'clock? You know, we might as well be at brunch right now you know, uh, because the Bible doesn't allow for the resurrection not to have happened. And so uh, I like to look back at the, the importance of that historical event and the timeline of earth's history. And then I like to bring it forward to 2022 and ask ourselves, what does it mean today? What does it mean today? And it, it goes right along with the theme that we've had during this Lenten season of biblical hope, right? And a key verse for us. Uh, This past month really has been in 1 Peter 1. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I love this passage because it links our living hope to the resurrection. Jesus is our living hope tied directly to the resurrection. Now, we, you've seen and you've heard, if you've been here, that biblical hope is confidence. It's a confident expectation. The world's definition of hope tends to be hope so. Wishful thinking. I hope the Dodgers win today, right? Uh, I hope I win the lottery. I hope I get the job. So... Tens in the world's view of hope is hope so, you know, a little finger crossing. Biblical hope that we've seen in the last several weeks is confident expectation, and it's directly linked to the resurrection. We have a living hope through the resurrection. Now, uh, on, on Easter mornings, right, a great symbol is the empty tomb, right? So, you know, visual, the empty tomb. There's a picture, right? And, and, you know, if you've ever been to Israel, you know that there's a very powerful place you can visit, and they have a stone like that, and You know, the empty tomb. But this morning, there's another symbol of hope in the Bible that's directly tied to the resurrection. And it's an anchor. And many of you may not have been familiar with this. In fact, uh, John Corson says, In the catacombs of Rome where Christians hid in times of persecution, one symbol can be seen more than any other. The anchor. The anchor was a symbol of the early church found in Roman catacombs. Okay, June Hunt. Where it says this for centuries anchors have been a symbol of hope this emblem was especially significant to the early persecuted church many etchings of anchors were discovered in the catacombs of rome where christians held their meetings in hiding threatened with death because of their faith these committed christians used the anchor as a disguised cross and as a marker to guide the way to their secret meetings Located beneath the ancient city, 600 miles of these tomb-like burial chambers served as a place of refuge during perilous times of persecution. Thus, the anchor, found even on some tombstones today, has become the symbol of guaranteed hope for the eternal security of true Christians. The anchor. So this morning, you know, I really want you to connect the symbol of the empty tomb and the anchor, right? In fact, Hebrews 6 says this. So God has given both his promise and his oath These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So so this, this idea of anchor... Right, and it's so funny, I mean, I just you just look it up. You know, what's the purpose of an anchor, right? Sounds real basic. But really, the purpose of an anchor is to keep a ship or a vessel on course. It's, it's The wind and the current want to blow it off course. An anchor keeps it right where it's supposed to be. Question, What what's your anchor today? Here or at home, what do you consider to be your anchor? What's with the winds and the current and the storms of life, right? And everything blowing around you perhaps, what is your anchor? Who is your anchor, right? It's a profound profound question because, you know, if you look at statistics and you look at the impact of, of the pandemic and the masks and everything that's happened, the lockdowns, right? People are, it's, it's, been, it's been a storm and continues to be a storm. The economy, uh, the issue and you know, with Russia and Ukraine, I mean, there's a lot that, that is causing a lot of fear and anxiety and anger and angst and concern. And in the midst of it, it's a very profound question this morning, who or what is your anchor? The winds are blowing. There's current out there. And, and we're, you know, my life, your life, we're, if we don't have our anchor set... Right, it's easy to just be adrift, and so as we move forward, just just ask yourself, what what is my anchor? Right, finances, health, relationships, pleasure. What what are you holding on to as your anchor? Right. William McDonald says this: in the storms and trials of life, this hope serves as an anchor of the soul. The knowledge that our glorification is as certain as if it had already happened keeps us from drifting on the wild waves of doubt and despair. The anchor is not cast in the shifting sands of this world, but takes hold in the heavenly sanctuary. Since our hope is the anchor, the meaning is that our hope is secured in God's very presence behind the veil. Just as sure as the anchor is there, we shall be there also. He's talking about our faith and our anchor in Jesus. Amen? Right? And so as we move forward, it just, today it's our hope. What what is your anchor? What is your anchor? Right? And, And the resurrection really comes into this, and we're gonna look at it in three tenses, past, present, and future, because it matters. If hope and resurrection are like this, if our living hope is based on the resurrection of Jesus, we gotta look at the importance of the resurrection, right? And, And like I said earlier, in the past tense, as we look back, the Bible doesn't allow for us to be here simply because of tradition, or myth, or fable, or VBS, right? The Bible is pretty clear that if the resurrection did not happen in the timeline of Earth's history, we should not be here. You shouldn't be here. If it didn't happen, if I was not convinced, if I did not believe that the resurrection happened in the timeline of Earth's history, I would be at Seafresh having brunch right now, preparing to watch the Dodgers, and maybe going with Randy if he invited me. But, you know... (laughs) I wouldn't be here. See, again, this is what I love about the Bible, especially about the resurrection. It doesn't allow for us to be here just because of tradition, or myth, or fable. We have to be here because it happened. We have to, okay? You know, the good news means, or gospel means good news, right? So without the resurrection, there is no gospel. You have to. We have. We have to be very clear about this, you know. And as an early believer, you know, many of you know my story. Went to UCLA, political science. Went to a year of law school at USD. Thought I was going to be an attorney, and God said, nope, boop, youth ministry." Hard left, right. And so, but that thinking, analytical. Let me. Let me see. Let me study this mind. When it came to this passage that we're about to look at, and it became very clear that if the resurrection did not happen in the timelines of Earth's history. Don't waste your time. I had to search that out. I had to settle that score for myself, with all the books that are out there, all the resources out there, because it's it's pretty clear: no resurrection, no gospel. It's pretty clear, okay. In fact, uh, even in the, the law, there's you know in the in the law of logic, the principle of logic or knowledge, there's this thing called the law of non-contradiction. The law of non-contradiction says something cannot both be true and not true at the same time. Now, in our postmodern world, culture has a hard time with that, right? Absolute truth, right? But in logic, there's a law of non-contradiction, okay? Something cannot both be true and not true at the same time. That's just a logical fallacy. You can't do that, okay? So the resurrection, you have to pick one. It can't be both. It can't have happened and not happened and let them sit there together, okay? Okay? And so in 1 Corinthians, the Bible makes this clear. Look what it says, 1 Corinthians. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how come some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And here it is. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Can't get much more clear than that. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. We're lying. I'm a liar. This is like, this is, just, this is a show. This is a sham. This is a scam. What are you doing here? Right? For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have also fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Amen? Amen. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Okay, so that passage makes it real clear. It's one or the other. And if it didn't happen, we are wasting our time. Your faith is futile. This is a sham. We're all still in our sins. There is no hope. But if it did... Hallelujah, it makes it change the world and changes us. I mean, how many of you have been changed by the resurrected Jesus, right? Okay, your life is a living testimony, okay? So I encourage you, you know, if you're here, or you're listening, and you're like, man, I never, I never knew that it's the historicity of the resurrection was so important. Yeah, it is, and you got to check it out. You gotta settle it because some of you in your faith might be a little bit shaky because this you're you're not you don't know you, you haven't settled the issue you haven't driven the stake in the ground about this core issue well gosh yeah miracles that's, that that'd have been a miracle wow that's a miracle miracles happen can miracles happen Barry, i don't know right and you gotta you gotta wrestle through it because the bible does not allow us to be here simply out of myth or tradition it had to have happened in the timeline of earth's history Dr. Simon Greenleaf, royal professor of law at Harvard University, says this. He examined the value of the historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ to ascertain the truth. Greenleaf came to the conclusion that, according to the laws of legal evidence used in courts of law, there is more evidence for the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ than for just about any other event in history. This is a royal professor of law. Looked at it as if you were going to go to court. Okay? Now, very important. When you look at the resurrection or any other historical event or figure, you have to use what they call the historical legal method. You can't use the scientific method because the scientific method requires it to be what? Repeatable. Okay? So if you're looking at the resurrection, you've got to go to historical legal, like they would do in a court of law. Look at evidence, call witnesses, and all of that, okay? So some people try to dismiss it because they say, well, you know, it doesn't line up with the scientific method. You can't use the scientific method for any, you can't use the scientific method to prove your birth. Because Barry, bro, I love you, but it can't be repeated. Like if I'm gonna prove that Barry was born while he's here, And then we look at his birth certificate or any other historical figure. You can't use the scientific method to prove George Washington existed. It's not repeatable. So same thing. I just share that with you. Part of my journey, part of what I had to learn, you know, just to kind of settle this issue because it matters. It matters. Why? Because if you were solid in your convictions regarding the resurrection and the risen Jesus, you know what you're going to be solid in? How you make choices in your life when temptation comes. And you're at a fork in the road. It goes all the way back to that. Being solid in here will play out in 2022 and beyond with the choices you make. Okay? So I want to give you something that I give kind of traditionally every, every uh, Easter service just to help you. Can't go into it in depth. Uh, I found this years and years ago as a young believer. And then I just thought, you know what? This is so important for the church. We have to settle this issue. It's from the Christian Research Institute. And I call it Resurrection is the Greatest feat right, in history, F-E-A-T. F is fatal torment. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. There's a theory out there called the swoon theory. Oh, Jesus didn't really die, he just fainted. He didn't really, when they put him in the tomb, he wasn't really dead. Now the Bible says he was dead, fatal torment, okay. Empty tomb, Luke, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, okay, a, appearances, 1 Corinthians. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. That, that phrase in that, in that passage right there, he appeared to 500. Okay? Ray Stedman says this. Every generation, the theory is propounded that Jesus really did not rise from the dead physically, that the disciples were so caught up in the wonder of his personality that they so wanted him back, they actually hallucinated and imagined they saw him. But this, e- this event, of course, can hardly fit that category, for here there were over 500 individuals. Now, it is hard enough to get one person to hallucinate, but to get 500 people from various backgrounds and attitudes, etc., to do so all at once is simply incredible, Okay? He's just looking at this in real-life terms, in real-life terms. I mean, when he says most of whom are still alive, so what they're saying is he appeared to over 500. Most of those 500 are still alive, so if this this isn't true, they would call it out. They were alive at the writing of this. They would have called it out. That's not true. Okay, That's, that's why it's important that they were still alive. right? David Guzik says, go ask these people who saw the resurrected Jesus, there are not a handful of self—they are not a handful of self-deluded souls. There are literally hundreds who saw the resurrected Jesus with their own eyes. They know Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, and perhaps one of the greatest testimonies is the Apostle Paul, right? Who was Saul persecuting the church, met Jesus on the Damascus Road, major transformation. Okay, and that leads us into the T F E A T is transformation, First Corinthians. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul speaking. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. So here's, the, you know, he was named Saul. He's persecuting the church, throwing Christians in prison and he has this miracle meeting of, with Jesus. Last person on the planet who would ever want to affirm the resurrection of Jesus was Saul. But he met Jesus on the road and became Paul. Okay, transformation, transformation. Josh McDowell, in his book, The Resurrection Factor, which again, is very foundational. It's a wonderful book, not very big at all. If you're interested in this, he says, a believer in Jesus Christ today can have the complete confidence, as did those first Christians, that his faith is based not on myth or legend, but on the solid historical fact of the empty tomb. Amen? It's important. It matters. Okay, in the past tense, you matters and and again if you have not taken the time it might be why in present tense you're a little bit because maybe there's a seed of doubt maybe there's just enough of a seed of doubt and the enemy gets in there well is that really true I don't know about that well if you're like uh, about that you might be uh, about the temptation right and if we're like uh usually our default goes to me if i'm like uh, i don't know i don't know i don't know and then i'm like uh what do i think then I just, you know, my default is just to go to me as the authority and make the call, okay? So it's important to search it out. So if we could take over, if you look at the past and we put that in the past, then we go to the present. Why is it important today? Why is the resurrection important today? How does it impact hope? Well, there's this passage, Romans 4.23, says this, But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. Who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification? Now, leave that up for just a sec, guy. That last line, that last phrase, "raised for our justification," is talking about the resurrection. Okay, raised, and this word, justification. Justification is is like God, the judge, and to be justified means that God, the judge, makes a legal declaration, once and for all declaration, not guilty, fully righteous. Okay, when you put your faith in Jesus, you're not only not guilty, but you are fully righteous. You are now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Amen? That's to be justified. Okay, so when it says he was raised for our justification, what that means is this. You're like, well, you, you remember, how many of you remember in, uh, in Jesus' final word, it says, it is finished. Remember that? Tetelestai. Well, it is finished means it's paid. You ever heard the phrase Jesus paid at all? There's a song, Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. You ever wonder, well, how do I know that God accepted the price? Jesus paid it all. Well, did, did God accept the payment? Right? Well, when it says he was raised for our justification, what it means is that because Jesus was raised from the dead, God accepted the full payment. Amen? That's what that means. You know, and, and I've shared with you before, uh the word picture how many of you use a little plastic thing when you buy stuff and you insert it in the keypad anyone anyone right right well how many of you get a little nervous when you punch it in there and it says processing <laughs> anyone and how many of you feel pretty good when it says approved <laughs> remove card anyone
0: <laughs>
1: right Well, it's that same feeling I've shared with you before. I this passage every time I buy something and I see approved, it reminds me of Jesus' resurrection. It literally does. I go thank you, Jesus, and I put my wallet in, right? Because it's the same thing. You put your card in, you're like, is it going to be approved? Is it was it is enough in there? Boom, approved. That's the resurrection. Boom, approved. So that's why we know when we put our faith in Christ as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When we put our faith in Jesus as the one who paid the penalty. It's good to go. Approved. Please receive Jesus. <laughs> okay, that's what that means. That's what that means. And then, not only is it we are freed from the penalty of sin, but we have peace. Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified, okay, legal declaration, not guilty, fully righteous, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's your anchor. When you are anchored to God through faith in Jesus, you have peace. Shalom. And out of that shalom, you navigate life. Out of deep peace, because you are good to go with God, you can navigate the ups and downs of life in shalom. Okay? So we're freed from the penalty of sin. We have peace today. And then we're freed from the power of sin, Romans 6. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, By the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be slave to sin. Amen? So here's the thing. Because Jesus raised from the dead into newness of life, this passage says you and I, when we put our faith in Christ, we can walk in newness of life. Now, I've shared this with the congregation before. If you're new, I'll share it real quick. When it says you're a new creation, it doesn't mean renovated. All right? How many of you like those house renovation shows when they, like, renovate, right? We're all into HGTV, right? Got your favorite, right? Got your couple in Arkansas. Got your couple wherever, you know, the Property Brothers, right? All that kind of stuff. Move that bus. Move that, right? All that kind of stuff. That's way back, huh? That's like old school, I just dated myself. So it's not like you come to Christ and you're like going to renovation. When it says you are a new creation, that word new means never existed before. It's like you're the new Tesla model that has never come out before. Okay? Like, think about that. When you come to Christ, you're not like the latest version of the Bronco. You're like the never existed prototype coming off. Isn't that crazy? You're a new creation. And part of that new creation is you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's crazy. So now you have this combination of natural and supernatural. We live in a natural world called earth, but we have this supernatural relationship with God. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We get spiritual things. We can understand the Bible and we're filled with joy. It's new. A lot of Christians, they kind of like, oh, I came to Jesus. Now I just got to clean up my act. No, you just gotta be a new creation. The act, will, if, if, if you're loving God and you're walking in newness of life, your act gets cleaned up as a byproduct. It's a byproduct, but we flip that because we think like we're on HGTV and we gotta renovate the old me. The old you died. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, amen? It's new, that's why when you're new and you're around family or coworkers or old friends who knew you from high school and they're like, yo, bro, what happened to you? You're like, I don't know, man. It's crazy, huh? I shared it with you before. My friends who know what I do now from high school? Mind-boggling. You do what? And just like, what, two months ago, I had a friend that I've known since like seventh grade. Her and her husband came up. And it's like still weird. She's a believer. We knew she was a believer, I wasn't a believer, but we kinda guessed she was a believer back in junior high school, right? And, and I just like, she was here, we went out to lunch afterwards, her and her husband, and me and Nadine, and in the back of my head, I could not shake, like, what does she remember about me? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Because I knew her since seventh grade, like all through high school, and I'm like, oh man, she must be laughing, her, you know, she's sitting there like, How, how's this guy doing this? You know, what is he doing up here after all the guys at high school? What is he doing up here? And I was like, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And, and, and I, I want it to be unexplainable. I want it to be a head-scratcher because it's got to be him because I can't explain it, right? So you're new. You're new, okay? That's the resurrection, newness of life. That's the hope we have. That's the hope you can have here and at home before you leave here. You can be a new creation like right now, all right? And then finally, future tense. 1 Corinthians 15, so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. Amen? Amen? So here's the thing. It's like future tense because we celebrate a historical fact in the timeline of earth's history that happened in the past. We celebrate what it means for us today. We're looking forward because of that. We're looking forward to a great resurrection together. Right? And what is it going to be? Look at Revelation. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look. God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's why the resurrection matters. That's why it matters. That's the confidence. That's the hope we have. You know, this world is a mess. And if all I'm doing is focusing on just getting through another day of this mess without a future hope, man, that's tough. That's tough. But because the resurrection happened, we have hope, a living hope. And I come back to 1 Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, new creations, children of God, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. This is what, we got an inheritance waiting. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. It's waiting for us. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So on this Easter 2022, we look at two symbols. We got the empty tomb and we got the anchor. What's your anchor is jesus your anchor is he anchoring you in a covenant relationship with god and it's just through faith the bible says we're saved by grace through faith not by works you can't earn it you can't be good you just receive it it's a gift right alan carr our hope is a living hope that is sure certain and real as opposed to the deceptive empty false hope the world offers you see many in our day are pinning their hopes on their 401k plan Many have their hope in the stock market. Some have their hope in their health or their family. This is a hope based in wishful thinking. When the New Testament uses the word hope, it does not refer to a fond wish or desire. It means a confident assurance based on the word of God and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that produces an excited response. So this morning, the question is, will you respond? Will you respond to God's call in the resurrection this morning? What is the anchor? Who is the anchor, right? And sometimes to get to that place of recognizing you need an anchor is to recognize you're drifting. I had a friend, uh, one of my best friends, Larry, and he bought a boat. And Larry and I used to go to the islands and fish on his boat. And we had adventures on his boat. One time we got between the two islands out there and we looked back. And I'm like, Larry, are we supposed to have water coming in? He goes, oh, man, I forgot to put the plug. I'm like, bro, there's a plug in the back. I'm like, he goes, we got to go back in. I'm like, yeah, we do. <laughs> so we start going back in, because if we're moving forward, the water's not coming in. I'm like, Larry, bro, we need the plug. Remember the plug next time. And another time, we're, we're heading out, and we're like halfway out from, I think we got one out of Channel Island of Ventura, and we're heading out to the islands again. We're about maybe halfway out into the channel right here, and I'm just like, you know, he drove, and I just sitting down, and all of a sudden I hear, wing, like this, whee, and I'm like, bro, what happened? He goes, we lost our prop. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, find the prop. I mean, because it was like my worst case. You know, I like going out there, and I like fishing, I like that, but you know, like boating hazards and stuff like that, right? like one of my worst case in the back of my head was like being adrift, being adrift. And he's like, we lost the prop. I'm like, what do we do? Right? Because I'm like boating ignorant. I'm just, I'm, I'm the fisherman. And I'm, i and he's like, well, I'm going to have to call vessel assist. Is that like what, AAA A of boats? I guess it's like AAA A of boats, right? And, and he's like, well, I got to call them. And, and then he didn't have certain equipment. So they, had, they said, well, we have to triangulate where you're coming from. And it's going to take like two hours to, to find you. I'm like, to find us. <laughs> and I'll never forget. You know, I, I had to make a choice because, you know, Larry's a man's man. I was like, he was fine. And I was trying not to let on that I was like a scared little, like, whatever. I'm like, and so I go to the front and I just sit on the front of the boat and I just, like, well, maybe if my back's to him, he can't see how scared I am. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm just sitting and I'm like, we are adrift. <laughs> and in the channel, there are large cargo ships that go by. Right? You ever been? There are large cargo ships, and like we cannot avoid them, and I like, hope they see us. And I'm out there, and I'm just like, we're adrift. Because it was too deep to drop anchor, right? We're just drifting. And sure enough, a couple hours go by, and I see a little, oh, vessel assist is here. You know, and whew, they come up, they find us, they do a tow rope, and they tow us back in for another two hours because it takes that long when you're talking. And I'll never forget. That whee, and then realizing we're adrift. Yeah, Larry, call vessel assist. We need AAA water out here quickly, you know? And at that point, because I recognized we were adrift, I needed saving. I I desperately wanted anyone or anything that could get me to stop drifting and get me home. And sometimes in our life, there are moments where we realize we're drifting. You have a wing and propeller comes off. And you thought things were going good, and now you, your heart's beating, and you're just kind of like, man, I, I don't know. What do we do? And you just kind of literally feel adrift. You can also be drifting and not know you're drifting. You know, I, I shared with you before a little bit of my journey. Grew up in a very academically successful home and very much pursuing the American dream, successful siblings. You know, I go to UCLA, going to be a lawyer, yada, yada, yada. And yet, deep down, I didn't know that I was even drifting. I didn't. I was just doing it. I was. My anchor was me. And I was self-sufficient, self-protective, self-whatever you want to call it, self-driven. And honestly, I didn't know I was drifting. And, you know, God brought me into met my wife. She brought me into the church. I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, so. I didn't understand evangelical and having a relationship with Jesus. And I didn't even understand this singing thing and praying and God's listening. I didn't understand any of this. And when I got around believers in a small uh, Bible study on Friday nights, I started to just watch them. And I started to look at their lives and that they were anchored in Jesus. They actually loved Jesus. They had this relationship, this anchor, and how they prayed. And and I was like, man. And it dawned on me that I was actually kind of drifting They were anchored, and I was actually drifting, and I thought I was the one that had it all together. But I was finding out really quickly that the world didn't offer the anchor, didn't offer the peace, didn't offer the security, didn't offer the hope. And so sometimes in our life, you lose the prop, and you're adrift, and you're like, save me, save me. Other times, it might just be time to say, well, am I really drifting, Lord? Because you see, the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, so we all, all sinned. And then it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Well, in the Bible, the word death doesn't necessarily mean physical death, it means separation. So the wages of sin is separation from God. Drift. The wages of sin puts us adrift, separates us from God. The resurrection in the timeline of our history brings us all back and says, Hey, you don't have to drift anymore. You don't have to drift. Anchor is Jesus. His resurrection. Anchor. Just call out. Like Larry radioed in for vessel assist. just by faith, call out to Jesus. Put your faith in him. You know? It, yes. Yes, because sometimes I think this word, you know, we get kind of like I'm sin. Oh, you're calling me a sinner? No, no. How, how about you're adrift and you're separated from God? Your sin has separated you and put you adrift and you need an anchor you need an anchor now to be forgiven and to walk in newness of life and you need an anchor for all eternity amen amen let's pray together band you can come on up so father thank you for this opportunity this morning to celebrate the historical fact of the resurrection and its meaning its meaning It's significant. It happened. And because it happened, we can have peace with you. Because it happened, we can have our sins forgiven. We can be freed from the penalty of sin. We can be freed from the power of sin. And ultimately, we will be freed from the presence of sin for all eternity. Because it happened. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray for those here and those listening who are churched. And maybe you've drifted. Maybe you've spiritually drifted. You're still saved, but maybe you've just drifted a bit. And maybe today, the Lord is calling you back. Back to the anchor, back to Jesus, back to seeking him first in his kingdom. Back to loving him with all your heart. If that's you, I encourage you to take a few moments, confess and ask God to forgive you and then purpose in your heart right now, today, to walk in newness of life, to be anchored in Jesus once again. And if you're here and you don't know where you are with Jesus, the Bible says God so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The Bible says that we're justified by faith. We have peace with God. So if you're here, you recognize you're drifting, you recognize your separation from God by faith, The best way you know how, put your faith in Jesus. If it's helpful, you can say something like this. Just in your heart to God, say, dear God, I understand today. I need an anchor. I need a savior, and it's Jesus. I'm drifting, and my sin has separated me from you. So God, in the best way I know how, I may not know a whole lot right now, but in the best way I know how, I'm trusting Jesus as my savior. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the penalty. Thank you, Father, that the penalty was received. Thank you, Father, that I can come to Jesus by faith and it's not by work. So, the best way I know how I'm resting fully in the finished work of Jesus, I believe in his death and resurrection. Thank you, Father, that through faith I can be born again and be a new creation in Christ. Thank you, Father. And so, before we uh, close, we wanted to give you an opportunity. To celebrate communion. We do this here as a church family every Sunday. There's communion cups in your rows there. And if you're not familiar with them, they're kind of a dual-sided. There's bread and juice. uh, So you would open the bread part first and then flip it over and take juice. What we do is we give you a time to pray. We give you a time to, Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance. So we give you personal time now to talk to God and to remember Jesus and In your relationship so if you have that relationship maybe if you just put your relationship your your faith and have a relationship at this very moment please take communion with us okay we're going to just uh play music behind here this is your time of communion we'll sing a song and then uh, we'll be dismissed
0: happy resurrection day i mean can what an amazing thing to think about when you went and the tomb was rolled and jesus was got uh, gone i mean our lord is alive Amen? amen What a wonderful thing. So I want to talk about Good Friday service. I'm not in a time lapse. It actually happened last Friday. I wanted to thank everybody that came and volunteered. I mean, it was such a joy to see everybody serving. We had so many people come out and help. And I want to call somebody out. Um, Wayne, wave your, where are you, Wayne? Well, he's back. He doesn't want to be acknowledged, but I'm going to do it anyway. The communion cups, he set up as a fish. So he set the bar so everybody started doing crosses and everything. He's on a high right now because he just got married to Sherry a week ago, so. (laughs) I mean, Good Friday, seeing the whole valley of believers getting back together again, it was such an amazing time. I got to tell a story. So we're singing and praising. My shoulders don't work, so it's hard for me to lift my hand. So the way I praise is I sing and I cry, or I call it leaking. So I'm sitting here leaking, and my buddy Bobby comes up to me and goes, what does that song mean that says 99? I'm like, and I just blanked out. I was like, because I was in the mood. And then I, luckily, Pastor Lynn from the Western Church was there, and he's the wizard of all of the Bible. So he answered it. But I'm like, because I know it's the 99. Jesus went after the one that was lost. So, so I did know, but I had one of those moments, Bobby. But thank you. Yeah. So thank you all of you that came out and helped. It was a great, and everybody who participated and just worshiped the Lord. I mean, to get the fellow believers together again was just Amazing. I mean, the Holy Spirit was surely present. I'm um, present, so it was amazing. So, and also a little bit after the service, we're having an Easter egg hunt. So, right after, if the parents, if you are not participating in the Easter egg hunt with your kids, I, I'm sorry because your kids won't be, appreciate you. But um, if you do decide you want, you can always go and grab them right out of Kingdom Kids. If not, for the good parents, you can go directly out there and watch your kids be full of joy. And then we have a jolly jump. We, we called it the Johanna, or um, jo- not Johanna. Hosanna. Ho oh, thank you. <laughs> Hosanna, yeah, hello. The Hosanna jump. So come and join us afterwards. We have snacks. We're going to have games. And it's just going to be a great time to fellowship together.